This is Ham College, episode 12 for December 31st, 2015. This episode of Ham College is brought to you by ICOM, helping you make those long holiday travels more fun. And by hamstudy.org, a great place to study for your amateur license exam. Welcome to another episode of Ham College. I'm George. I'm Tommy. This is number 12. Uh, a dozen. Uh, an even dozen. Yeah. Well, Baker's dozen because we, we had one extra one. That was uh, this time last year, I guess. Did we do that? Uh, it was, I think, in the end of November, wasn't it? When well, we, when we did pilot. the pilot? Yeah. yeah, around the end of November, 1st of December. Well, we're glad y'all could join us for a rare Wednesday night edition of Ham College. Uh, hey, we we had the evening free, and uh, looks like a lot of you did, judging by the chat room and the live stream there. So glad to have you all around with us. You know, whenever we're doing a live show, we like to have the chat room going along at the same time. You can join us over here, uh, especially those of you who are watching on YouTube. The chat window there on YouTube, we're not able to watch it and, and watch the one listed on the screen here at the same time. So... Join us at amateurlogic.tv slash chat. Yeah, participate participate in the fun. There are quite a few people in there already, and I keep seeing more and more coming into the chat room. Yep. Oh, it looks like uh, Donald Trump is back with us this time around. Awesome. Yeah. You know, he's he's a big fan of both both the shows. Yeah, he's going to make ham radio great again. Is he? Yeah. Cool. What did we talk about last month, Tommy? Last month we had a pretty good discussion on how to choose your first radio. We did. And there you go. Just pick from any one of those and you'll be good to go. It's just kind of like rolling the dice, huh? <laughs> no, we gave gave some criteria, um, some things to consider when you're, when you're looking at your first one. Yeah. Um, and one of the biggest things I would say is, you know, talk to some of your friends around, uh, get, get a little feedback from them. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you might have somebody close to you that happens to have the radio that you're interested in yeah that uh having somebody with the same equipment and and familiarity with it kind of goes a long ways in breaking that uh the newness yeah uh, especially yeah when you're a new ham uh it's a good thing to have the same kind of radio as somebody else because you can get some help programming it then we're going to talk just a, a little bit about that tonight uh, not so much on how to program it, but because they're all going to be different. But yeah. a few of the things you will want yeah. to Some of the reasons to why you do certain things. Yeah. Um, yeah, that should be good. Uh, it's good information. Well, speaking of that, uh, what is tonight's topic going to be? Tonight, the topic is repeaters. It is. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, when I, when I got my ticket, I was anxious to get on the repeaters. I actually oh, well, already I did too. the research, had the repeater list already printed out, had to type it in back then, mm-hmm. had typed up and, and printed out, and I was ready to go, waiting on my ticket and my radio to come in. I had been waiting, yeah. I think I listened to the repeaters and, and a lot of Simplex for at least a month mm-hmm. before I ever talked, because back when you and I got licensed, there was about a month wait between when you got your test taken and you passed and you received your license in the mail. Well, it sure was. You couldn't you couldn't transmit until you actually had that paper in hand. I remember the day my ticket came in the mail. I already had my radio, just like you got yours before yours came in. It was up. I lived in an apartment. Mm-hmm. And I remember walking down to the mailbox, and that ticket was in there. And I just about ran all the way back <laughs> to get the radio when that ticket was in. And I got the radio, and I was scared to death to talk on it at yep. that point. So. I think that's kind of a common thing, yeah. you know. So we're going to recommend listen first. If we're going to talk about repeaters, I guess the first thing we really ought to talk about is 
not a repeater, but simplex. Yeah. That means if, if you and I are going to sit here and talk back and forth, we only need one frequency to do that on. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, especially if we're close enough to each other that we can do it. As a matter of fact, we don't even need a frequency right now. We can <laughs> Just audio frequency. Yeah. But, I mean, so so we'll only need one frequency. And typically that that would be what we'd call simplex. Here's a, a typical simplex frequency right here. This is, uh, what is that frequency famous for, Tom? That's the national calling frequency for two meters. It is. So, uh, let's see. I guess you'll you'll be the guy with the beard there. Yeah, that'll work. And uh, I'll, I'll You'd be, be the, the guy other guy. with the bow tie. Where's your bow tie? Uh, <laughs> I left it. <laughs> so if I'm going to talk to Tommy, uh, key up my radio, and I'm sending out a signal there on 146.52 megahertz. When I'm through, I let off that push-to-talk button, and then Tommy can press his, and bam, he's talking on the same Voila. frequency. Just yeah. like magic. Just like magic. And now I can hear him. So we're both using the same frequency, so only one of us can talk there at a time, and then we've got to wait for the other one to unkey before he would be able to hear us. So that's what we mean when we say simplex. It's simple communication, just using a single frequency, one one direction at a time. Now, beyond that, there's there's another mode, sort of like simplex. It, It only involves the two radios that are being used there. And that's called full duplex. And what full duplex is, you've got two different frequencies. You can see when Tommy's talking to me there, he's on 146.52. I'm talking back to him on a UHF frequency. I'm on 445 megahertz there. And this is sort of like a telephone. We can both hear and talk at the same time. Yeah, uh, yeah, you sure can. If you have a dual band, dual watch mm-hmm. radio, that can monitor at the same time it's transmitted. So yeah. that's that's a little bit of a hardware specific thing, but yep. Yeah, and here we're we're showing doing it with two different bands because mm-hmm. that that would be the easiest way. You don't see a lot of full duplex communication, but it is possible, and it's just a you know another mode that you could use. Yeah, I remember we tried that one when I first got my ticket. Just it, playing it's around. pretty cool in a way because if somebody gets long-winded, you can tell them, you know, hey, you're getting long-winded. <laughs> you can break in on them. But uh, if you're on simplex, that's not possible. A guy could sit there and, you know, yeah, you really keep talking for a long time. But simplex only uses half the bandwidth because it's only the one frequency there. So Yeah. Yeah, if you're in a congested area, you want to be careful with that. Yeah. Now, sometimes we might be in a situation, say, where I'm here and Tommy is way over there. And as a matter of fact, he's so far away, our radios can't hear each other. And in a case like that, we still want to talk. What do we do, Tommy? Yeah, we're going to go to a repeater. And here's a repeater right here. You're talking to me on uh, on 146.34, but my radios, I've got it tuned to 146.94 because hey, I'm on hey, the 9.4 repeater. That? You would think, well, I'm, I wouldn't hear you because you're off on another frequency. You, you would think. But what's going on there is that repeater is a receiver and a transmitter. So the repeater is sitting there listening all the time on 146.34 megahertz. And whatever it hears, it rebroadcasts out here on 146.94 in, in this case. Right. So while you're talking, I'm listening on another frequency that's... Uh, 600 kilohertz above where you are in mm-hmm. this case doesn't have to be and we'll talk more about that in a minute when you're through talking then i can talk back to you and guess what i'm going to do it on the same frequency you were using 146.34 because mm-hmm. the repeater is still sitting there it's always listening to that frequency and it's always transmitting out on the what is typically known as a repeater frequency 146.94 or whatever frequency you're using when you say join me on the 146.94 repeater you're talking about the one you're listening to yeah the output frequency of the repeater right when you go to talk the repeater is is going to pick you up it's listening on a different frequency Mm -hmm. and it's going to rebroadcast you on that particular frequency right it's a that that's a good diagram too because I remember 
right after I got my ticket, it was a little bit unusual for me to the the comprehension of of how that works, how it actually listened on one frequency when you transmit, you were transmitting on another one on the same mm-hmm. radio, you know, set up there, and it's really un without looking at the frequency, you really don't know. Yeah. So what is our benefit here from using a repeater? Why would we even want to do that? Well, typically a repeater is going to be the antenna is going to be up on a on a tall building or on a tower or on a mountain, mm-hmm. someplace that's got a lot greater coverage. So you can get one that's in the middle, or you know, actually cover the coverage area is great enough that we can both get into it and hear from mm-hmm. it. So, um, well, if I'm sitting here on a handy talkie and you may not can hear it directly. That thousand foot tower sitting over there can hear it just fine and transmit yeah. out a signal strong enough that you can pick it up yeah, where you absolutely. are. Absolutely. So you take the little radio that I don't know, maybe maybe you could talk what four or five miles with it, something like that. And then depending on the conditions, then depending on what repeater you're talking on, maybe now you can talk fifty miles. Oh because yeah, usually on the right repeater. Yep. So the repeater is really doing the heavy lifting there, and mm-hmm. you're just. Uh, you know, you're kind of piggybacking on it. Yeah. So, so what's the downside of using the repeater? The downside of using the repeater is, well, it's using two frequencies because it's listening on one frequency and it's transmitting on another. Uh, more people are going to be able to hear you. Mm-hmm. That's not necessarily a downside. It's but not a downside, but it's something to be aware be of. Be aware of. Yeah. And the the repeaters are shared, you know. Anybody else who wants to use that repeater is going to have to wait their turn till the current conversation. Yeah. And, and that's what I was thinking of when uh, when I asked what was the downside. Is this, it's a shared system, and so you don't want to just hog it, mm-hmm. you know, hog all the time on it. So just kind of be got to be courteous about it. Yeah, yeah. Let, leave room for other people to talk mm-hmm. too. Don't don't just take it up for your exclusive use. Um, Although there there are closed repeaters out there that were put up with the intention that only a small group of people is going to be mm-hmm. on this one, and you know you got to be on our club or, or don't talk on it. Well, mm-hmm. most repeaters are not that way. Right. There there's only a few that way, and you can ask around locally and find out which ones are you know which one everybody's welcome on and which ones maybe not. Mm-hmm. You know they they have a club. I believe in our area. I don't know of any that are closed. No, I think everything here is. You know, wide open to anybody who wants to use mm-hmm. it, and it's it's that way in well, yeah, most of the U.S. Another good thing about repeaters is I can talk here, and a lot of people can can hear me all at the same time. Mm-hmm. Uh, which that could happen on simplex, but the repeater's going to have much better coverage area than I've got. You know, just mm-hmm. just sitting here at home, and the repeaters don't only benefit a, a handheld radio. I mean, it's if you've got a base radio, you know, your antennas, you may have a tall tower and you may not, but you can always use a repeater from your base station and and get the advantage of, you know, having a strong right. signal. Yeah, we've, we've spent uh, many an evening having a nice rag chew session with a bunch of us from, from uh, several counties to the north and mm-hmm. some people right here around and uh, that we couldn't have normally, you know, talk yeah. to directly like that with Simplex. Now, I've got a repeater here in my shack, and I know you do too, that you use all the time. Yeah. But it's not like the repeater we were talking about a moment ago. What is it? Yeah, you're talking about the crossband repeater? Yeah. yeah that's uh, that's where the radio monitors one or the other, actually it monitors both bands. And whatever band receives a signal, it's going to actually transmit the, that audio out on the other band. So, in the case here, I've got my my base station set up with 430 megahertz on, uh, say, the UHF band and 146.40 on the VHF band. If any, If it hears anybody talking on UHF, it's going to rebroadcast out the same thing on the VHF frequency there, and vice versa. Mm-hmm. So either one of us can talk. You can see in this case, I'm always staying on 430 megahertz there, which I'm not sure if that's a, a good frequency to be doing that on or not. I don't yeah, recall I'm, using that one. Yeah, but. I'm thinking maybe not, but, I don't, <laughs> <laughs> but it's good for demonstration purposes. Yeah, 
<laughs> so I just stay on that one frequency. Oops, went back too far. I just stay on that one frequency there on that on the UHF band, and you're over on the VHF band, just using one frequency, and it's cross band because it picks it up on one band, transmits it out on the other. So why could you? Um, why would you? Would you want to do it that way? What's the advantage over doing that as opposed to having that other repeater where both frequencies were like in the VHF band? Well, it's it basically you get the same a lot of the same advantages as a regular repeater because most of the time that's running on on a base rig somewhere that's got a decent antenna and maybe maybe you're walking around with the handy talkie you know in mm-hmm. in the shop and you're in your uh, at the house or something and your radio's out in your ham shack and and yeah. you could still be just as accessible and yeah. talk to the same people i guess what i was trying to say is the difference between a repeater and a crossband repeater uh a repeater is generally what's you know out there for public consumption i mean we're you know it's receiving on say on the two meter band and it rebroadcast it out or, or retransmits it, repeats it on another frequency on the VHF band. When we use crossband, it's using two different bands to mm-hmm. do that. And the advantage of a, a regular repeater is that, hey, if they're on VHF, you only need a VHF radio. Yeah, if they're on UHF, you only need a UHF. With a crossband, you'd have to have a dual-band radio, one that can you know, transmit on VHF, and UHF, and you know, here and transmit both on on both those frequencies. But the advantage is, when you start trying to put a transmitter and a receiver both on the air at the same time, it takes a you know a little bit of special combining, say, to put both of those on one antenna mm-hmm. without them you know interfering with each other. Right. So you have to use duplexers at a regular repeater site, which are generally uh, you know tall cans. You know, they big around, maybe about this tall, and they're tuned. There's a tuning stubs mm-hmm. on them, and it takes several of those to make filters so that the transmit frequency does not interfere with the receive frequency. Mm-hmm. Because if you're transmitting and receiving on the same frequency, it doesn't work. I mean, right. you, it's, it's feedback. It's like taking a microphone and putting it in front of a speaker, mm-hmm. more or less. So... Um, we have to use two different frequencies for that, and the duplexers are able to separate those two so they can run over a single coax out to a single antenna. Mm-hmm. With the crossband, um, it doesn't take all of that. You know, uh, you can use a duplexer for that that is much smaller. I mean, you know, fits in the palm of your hand, and right. it'll combine VHF and UHF. Where if we were trying to do two VHF signals or two UHF signals, it's going to take a lot more filtering because those frequencies are so much closer together. Right. So, crossband, that's a good solution. And it's one we use here, like you say, taking your handy talkie, and I want to talk further with it. So, mm-hmm. I just crossband repeat through my base rig. Yeah, it's handy. A lot, yeah. lot of radios have that built in now. And then there's one other type of, well, I guess you would say repeater, and that's, uh, say, a, a linked repeater. And these are common now. They weren't very common back when you and I got licensed back in the 90s. No. We we had a few around here, but it wasn't mainly activated during the storms. Yeah. But now there's a lot more ways to link repeaters. And, and what that is, is uh, looking at the picture there, Tommy is actually talking on one repeater somewhere, and I'm talking on another one somewhere else. And we don't have to know what frequency each other's on, really. The two repeaters are connected to each other, and they handle all of that. And it can be they can be connected together over radios, over wire, or over an internet link like Echolink or D-Star or right. IRLP or System Fusion. Yeah. Or there's there's probably some more in there I didn't even yeah. think of. But um, so in the old days, it, if we had a linked repeater, then that meant one repeater here and one over there, and they're talking back and forth to each other with radios mm-hmm. so that they can each share each other's coverage area. But now, you know, with the Internet, a lot of these repeaters are linked to each other, you know, over the Internet. Yeah. So uh, 
it's not unusual that you know we could go to a, a radio here get on one of the repeaters and talk to you know peter down in australia or mm-hmm. somewhere anywhere in the world 20 years ago that would have been pretty much unheard of we've on a done repeater. That. oh yeah we've done it a lot yeah so uh a linked repeater or repeaters that, that would be more than one that's another way a repeater could be used and then there's one other type of repeater too that you mean there's more yeah and let me just <laughs> let me let you guess what that is Oh, you're reading. I saw. I, well, I saw it pop up there, and I I actually forgot about that one. I figured you would. Uh, yeah. A simplex repeater. Yep. And that that can be really annoying if you catch one on the air. Yeah, it can also. There. It can mess with your mind. It can be kind of spooky. Yeah, that's <laughs> that's happened to me before. And what that is is you're using one frequency for everything, uh, transmit and receive. So the repeater is actually just a radio that's sitting there, and it's listening on a particular frequency. And the whole time it's listening, it's recording. When it gets through with that recording, when it senses that you let off the push-to-talk button, then it turns around and it plays back and transmits out whatever it just heard. Mm-hmm. So if if you sit there and you talk for two minutes solid, it's recording you for two minutes. When you let off, it plays it back. Yeah, they had a guy. Where you remember the guy? There was one on our, the Simplex channel that we used, mm-hmm. and, uh, and every now and then you'd hear that thing. Yep. It, years ago there was one, and um, you know you'd come on, you'd say your ID, and you 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 know we didn't know, know the thing was there, and then all of a sudden you hear yourself say your ID back to you. At first, I thought somebody was messing with me. They were recording me and playing it back, and then I realized, no, it's a simplex uh, repeater. What is the one redeeming point of them? Why why would you even consider one of those? Uh, you can you can build that fairly easily yourself, and you can run it off of one single band radio. Yep. One frequency. One, yep. one uh, real simple, inexpensive radio. Yep. So it doesn't take a lot to do it. It mm-hmm. could be set up pretty quick if you had the, the stuff to do yeah. it with. I think you could probably build that pretty easily. You could. You could today, especially with, mm-hmm. with computers. makes it a lot easier. I sense, hmm, I sense a Raspberry Pi project, maybe. Yeah, I hadn't even thought about that. But yeah, that, that should be easy enough to do. should be real easy. As long as you can determine that it's keyed up. Which yeah, you could I could see you doing that. I have to look into that. Yep. Well, so there's a, a little lesson on repeaters there. Uh there's a lot more to know. We're gonna be talking a little more about, about some of the various subjects tonight as we go through the question pool here. But right now why don't we take a break uh and get a message from ICOM, our sponsor here, and then come back and let's get into the questions and answers. All right. Over the hills and through the woods to grandmother's house we go. For those long holiday trips, let your ICOM radio help you enjoy your travels. Take ICOM's IC7100 D-Star radio with you this season. This radio offers an angled control head and touchscreen for easy mobile operation, a large internal speaker for clear digital audio, and it's perfect for multiband and all-mode communications. Interested in easy hands-free operation while you hit the road? ICOM's analog IC2730A mobile and the digital ID5100A both feature optional Bluetooth capability, a large backlit screen for high contrast viewing, and 50 watts output power on both VHF and UHF. For entry-level D-Star operation, check out the ID880H. Features include VHF, UHF, dual-band functionality, one band at a time, good menu structure and easy programming, and fast multiple scanning for maximum reception. Looking for a compact, rugged, and user-friendly radio on 2 meters? The IC2300H has a large, bright alphanumeric display with three backlight options, oversized tuning dial for easy operation while on-road, and 65 watts of stable output power. Visit icomamerica.com amateur for more information on ICOM's mobile radio selection. Why don't we give away this ICOM cap you got here and uh, 
Looks just as good uh, walking up as you do when you're leaving. Boy, if you weren't careful, <laughs> if you combed your hair just right. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> uh, a Donald Trump trick there. Oh, sorry, Donald. Yeah, he's in there. You better be careful. I have the best answers. Well, I got them all. <laughs> okay, Tommy, who are we going to give this to? Well, We've done a drawing there. Hmm? We've done a drawing. We did do a drawing, and the lucky winner is Dan Huber, KN0MAP. Congratulations, Dan. Yeah, congratulations. We're going to send you the cap and the T-shirt there, and we'll give away uh, another pair there next month. If you'd like to win that, how can they do that, Tommy? You can send an email to hamcollege at amateurlogic.tv. And we'll have another random drawing and pick out someone else next yeah. month. Let's get on into our first question here. Tommy, what do you think our questions are going to be on tonight? I got a good hunch that it may be something to do with repeaters. That's, that's very observant. Yeah. And there's you. probably a good chance that we just covered a lot of that. First question. Okay. What type of amateur stations can automatically retransmit the signals of other amateur stations? A. Auxiliary, beacon, or earth stations? B. Auxiliary, repeater, or space stations? C. Beacon, repeater, or space stations? Or D. Earth, repeater, or space stations? Okay, so this is mine to answer here. Somebody in the chat room said C, but... Let me go over these and see if that's the one I think or not. A, auxiliary beacons are earth stations. Well, I know that's not the answer because a beacon is not a repeater at all. Right. It's just a transmitter sitting there sending a message, generally a, a call sign, over and over. Just sort of be used as a marker or for someone to see if, if they can hear it. Mm -hmm. So it's not repeating anything. So we know it's not A. B, an auxiliary repeater or space stations. It could be that, because an auto auxiliary would be rebroadcasting something else. Could be a repeater we know does. And a space station, say a satellite, could could repeat. So mm -hmm. I'm going to think that's probably it is B. C, well, that starts out with a beacon. So we've already said a beacon's not a repeater, so we know it's not that. And then D, an earth repeater or space station, an Earth station, I think, could be uh, any station on the Earth. Typically, you'd think of it as to talking to something in space, but mm -hmm. that's not a repeater. So it's got to be B, Tommy. Auxiliary repeater or a space station. I would agree with that. And that's what most people are saying in the chat room. If you said C, but the Bs have it. The Bs have it. Okay. What type of amateur station simultaneously retransmits the signal of another amateur station on a different channel or channels? It's A, a beacon station. B, earth station. C, a repeater station. Or D, a message forwarding station. Hmm. And this one's mine, and I've got a strange hunch that it's going to be C. You repeater. think it's going to be C. Well, tell me your logic there. Well, we just said a beacon station doesn't retransmit anything. True. An earth station is a station that's on the ground. Well, some, I guess, supposedly could, but that's not primarily yeah. the definition of it. Message forwarding station, that's that's not really a retransmit. That's That's passing data on. Well, I don't think that's considered... I don't think that's considered repeating. Yeah. Yeah, you could see where it so almost more is. More like a relay. Yeah. But, uh, well, we know a repeater is is what retransmits. So, yeah, I mean, that's so. the best answer. Got to be uh, C. Yeah, all right. That's that's what they're saying in the chat room there. So Then it's got to be right. The chat go. room's always right. Okay, on to the next one. All right. Which of the following describes the common meaning of the term repeater offset? A, 
The distance between the repeater's transmit and receive antennas? B, the time delay before the repeater uh, timer resets. C, the difference between the repeater's transmit and receive frequencies. Or D, matching the antenna impedance to the feed line impedance. Okay. okay. Yeah, that was interesting. So, this one's mine to answer. Which of the following describes the common meaning of the term repeater offset? The distance between a repeater's transmit and receive antenna. I guess that would be an offset, but it's not a repeater offset. Uh, the time delay before the repeater's timer resets. Nah, that's not it. See, the difference between the repeater's transmit and receive frequency, there's your answer right there, and that's what everybody in the chat room is saying. RD, matching the antenna impedance to the feed line impedance? No. That's, I don't even that's know how it. that could be considered offset. Nah. So there you go, the difference between the repeater's transmit and receive frequencies, just like we were talking earlier when we showed the slides there. Yeah, well, the... the we were listening on 146.94, transmitting mm -hmm. on 146.34. Yep. They offsets the 600 kilohertz. Yep. All right, next one here. What is the most common repeater oops. frequency? Huh? I said oops. Well, I basically what just I gave away the answer to this one just now when I was talking about the other one. <laughs> oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. What is the most common repeater frequency offset in the 2-meter band? A, plus 500 kilohertz. B, <laughs> plus or minus 600 kilohertz. C, minus 500 kilohertz. D, only plus 600 kilohertz. And this one's mine, and I, I obviously at least think I know the answer, because I right. said something a while ago about it, but... Uh, it, I don't know how you would reason the 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 frequency out other than you just have to know that it's 600 kilohertz in the United States for the offset for On the two, two meters. meters for two meters. Yeah, and uh, so so 500 for A is not going to be right. B plus or minus 600 kilohertz. That's the one that's going to be the answer. Um, C is not going to be right because that's not 600. And D, it says only plus 600 kilohertz, and that's not going to be right. So it's going to be B, the plus or minus. And the plus or minus is actually going to... Well, let's see. Okay. Yeah. So the plus or minus, that should be a clue, too. Yeah. And that's going to be where the repeater frequency falls in the band. Mm -hmm. um, if you're at the high end of the band... Uh, you're not going to have a plus offset because 600 kilohertz might push you over the edge of the band. Yep. Uh, different parts of the band have a different, yeah. either positive or negative mm -hmm. uh, offset there. Yeah, let's. We got the handy talkie there. We do. If the battery's still up. So let's look at that. We're talking about repeater offsets. And how can we tell what the offset is programmed into this radio? Well, we can tell that we've got uh, an offset because we have the minus right here. It's, the ICOM radios have duplex. Yep. So this radio is working in duplex, and there's a minus offset. So when we transmit, there's gonna this is gonna the frequency is gonna go down 600 kilohertz. Well, let's let's show that. Well, let me let's go say transmit. Let's in prove. 5Z and O testing. All right, so you got so. the button push. It's on 144.85, and you let off, and it's listening on 145.45. And we didn't hear anything because we're in the well, metal yeah, building. Well, there's here. no signal getting out of this building. Yep. So it receives on this frequency. When you transmit it, it transmits a minus 600 hertz from where we are, and that's what that minus... Kilohertz. Yep. That's what that, that minus is by the duplex here means. Right. Have but you got a repeater in here that's got a positive? I don't you know that I do. you got one repeater in here? No, there's, there's more in there, but I, there's no... Uh, they're, they're all negatives that are in there, I think. There's No, there's a positive right there. There we go. What is the common repeater frequency offset in the 70 centimeter band? 
A, plus or minus 5 megahertz. B, plus or minus 600 kilohertz. C, minus 600 kilohertz. Or D, plus 600 kilohertz. And yeah. this is mine to answer. I, I was that close to spilling the beans on that one. You were. You were just all yeah. over it. I could see it coming <laughs> there. All right, so I know it's going to be a plus or a minus. It can go either way. Mm-hmm. So that narrows it down. It's got to be A or B. Um, B was correct for two meters. It was 600 kilohertz there yep. for, for two meters. However, on UHF, those two frequencies are a lot farther apart. It's five megahertz plus or minus. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's what, well, we did have a C in in there, but uh, no, the answer is going to be A, plus or minus 5 megahertz. Let's let's just prove that there by and looking at I've often wondered why it's so much difference between the two. And if we transmit in 5Z and O, 449.9, So you can clearly see that it went up 5 megahertz when we transmitted. You said you wondered why they were so much further apart on UHF. Yeah. So did you ever figure it out? No. I never really bothered to look it up. Yeah. I think it's because we've got a lot more uh, bandwidth on UHF. To, so we, we... Just give us some more separation? Yeah, we can have a little better separation on it. I'm not really sure of the official reason. that. I would think that's that sounds plausible. Yeah, I'll buy that. That's good enough. <laughs> yep. All right, well... That's about all we can say about that, so let's go to the next question. Okay. What is the term used to describe the use of subaudible tone transmitted with normal voice audio to open the squelch of a receiver? A, a carrier squelch. B, tone burst. C, DTMF. Or D, CTCSS. Okay. And I guess i got to answer this one. I guess you do. <clears throat> Okay, so carrier squelch. I'm not exactly sure what the definition of carrier squelch is. That is like but a, I know that's not it. That's like a regular squelch that's sitting there, say, pretend oh, it's normal, looking at your signal meter. Normal, just this normal squelch. Okay, yep. And yep. I, I did know what that is. Mm-hmm. You just didn't know you knew what yeah, that was. Yeah, it's just past my bedtime. <laughs> okay, um, so that's not going to be it because there's no. no tone involved in that. Tone burst. That sounds like that could be plausible, but that's I think that's used mainly like over in Europe, in the UK, where they send out a tone, uh, like I think it's like 1750 hertz or yeah, something. Yeah, I've forgotten what that tone was. But, uh, yeah. So as soon as you transmit it, it sends out that that tone burst only at the when the carrier is at first mm-hmm. initiated. And uh, so I don't think that's it. DTMF, that's where you use like the pad on your telephone and mm-hmm. uh, well this one doesn't have doesn't show it but yeah. anyway so that's not going to be it it's going to be ctcss that's going to be the answer and what does that stand for that stands for let me get my cheat note here <laughs> continuous tone coded squelch system there you go continuous tone coded squelch system Okay, and they say that it's subaudible there. Actually, all those tones are audible. We don't normally hear them because the speakers are so small in a, mm-hmm. in a rig. But uh, you will, if they've got the injection turned up real high, if they're running a lot of that signal, you'll notice a little hum or something that doesn't sound quite right. Yeah. Uh, sometimes on a repeater, and that's that's what it is. The repeater is maybe transmitting that signal out. Uh, but generally, it's real low frequencies. We call it subaudible, but that you know they're all above twenty hertz, so yeah. they're all yeah. And sometimes you can hear it worse depending on when, what the tone actually is, the frequency of it. Yeah. Now, a- another term that you'll see used for that a lot is uh, PL. PL tone. Yeah, I think that stands for private line. Private line, and it was one of the commercial two-way radio manufacturers, I think, used that, which. Essentially, it's just a way that you can um, you can have another squelch 
for a rig that doesn't respond to to random stuff like if we're in a real noisy environment i've got my radio tuned to particular frequency there could be just just some garbage or harmonics generated around that every now and then is going to cause the squelch to break on my radio it's not something i wanted to hear it's just mm. some random noise that happened to be around or mm. or maybe somebody trying to reach a repeater that's way off but by putting a, a specific tone in there then we can tell that radio only open the squelch when you hear somebody transmitting with this tone. So you've narrowed it down. There could be other people on that frequency, but all you're going to hear is the ones that have added that tone. Right. So that's 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 for the receive side. That's for the receive side, and I think but, we can... But, we can, but we're actually transmitting the tone here, so the repeater... Yeah, well, it actually could go either way. Yeah, but, some radios, yeah, if your radio supports it. Yeah. I think more of the modern ones do now mm-hmm. uh, have the receive and the, the tone encoder and the decoder. Mm-hmm. But used to, used to if you wanted to decode it, you had to buy an add on board for a lot of the radios. Yeah. But you can see right here this repeater has the tone enabled. Okay. And so it says tone. Some other radios might say T- CTCSS. Or maybe, I guess they could say PL. Possibly. I don't remember seeing any, uh, but it, but I'm sure there are probably some out with it. And I just want to see, just, uh, we go in there, repeater tone, 77 hertz tone for that okay. one. Okay. Yeah, and a lot of them in our area are, are using 77 hertz now. And then mm-hmm. uh, the ones that aren't, most of the others are using 100 hertz. But that's going to be different in different areas. And one reason for that is, um, you know, we, we've got a, a limited number of frequencies, so maybe if we've got a repeater here on 145.45, covers this part of the state, there's another one in Alabama on that same frequency. Mm-hmm. And when the band conditions get such that, you know, our, our signals go a little further, we kind of help out the situation by say each of these repeaters is listening for a different subaudible tone mm-hmm. so only people intending to talk to the local one here are transmitting say the 77 hertz tone so that's the only ones this repeater hears the people over in alabama that are maybe using i don't know 100 hertz tone it doesn't hear them right or it doesn't open the squelch right when they talk so but if you if you have your 77 hertz tone and you actually break the squelch on the repeater by transmitting the tone. If if that one transmits at the same time, it's still going to pick that up because the squelch has been broken on the on the repeater to an extent. Yeah, except for capture effect. You know, like with FM, whichever signal is the strongest is the one that grabs a receiver. Mm-hmm. You can't typically hear two at the same time, but yeah, you you could. Actually, hear a little bit of that going mm-hmm. on. Which of the following common problems might cause you to be able to hear but not access a repeater even when transmitting with the proper offset? A. The repeater receiver may require an audio tone burst for access. B. The repeater receiver may require a CTCSS tone for access. C. The repeater receiver may require a DCS tone sequence for access. RD, all of these choices are correct. And let's see, this is mine to answer. So, if I'm trying to talk on a repeater, and I know I've got the offset set right, say if I'm on 2 meters and I've got it for plus 600 kilohertz and that's what it's supposed to be and it still doesn't hear me, I probably... In most cases, I don't have the CTCSS tone turned on or set to the right frequency. But if you're in an area where they're using a tone burst, where you key up the mic, it sends a tone burst, then you can start talking. If that, uh, you know, if the repeater's listening for that, which I've never heard one here um. that uses that, that could be another thing that I might not have right. Kind of unlikely, like you say, in the mm-hmm. U.S., C, the repeater receiver may require a DCS tone sequence for access. That is possible, too. I'm not sure what that stands for. Digital-coded squelch. Digital-coded squelch. That means it sends 
you key up the radio, it sends a few tones at the mm-hmm. beginning of every transmission, and that's how the receiver knows to Yeah, unsplash. essentially like a password. It's sort of like a password. So I'm going to have to say it's going to be D, Tommy, all of the above. I, would, I think that's right. And that's what most of them are saying there in the chat room. And all right. We were all correct. All right. Everybody pat yourselves on the back. Yeah. Doing pretty good on receivers or yeah. repeaters so far. Yeah. Yeah. So the next one here. This is good stuff, too. This is practical stuff that you'll use when you get your ticket. Oh, yeah. What method of call sign identification is required for a station transmitting phone signals? A, send the call sign followed by the indicator RPT. B, send the call sign using CW or phone emission. C, send the call sign followed by the indicator R. Or D, send the call sign using only phone emission. Uh, What do you think? Well... If you're transmitting phone signals, I'm, when they say send the call sign followed by the indicator RPT, nah, no. Mm-mm. Never heard of that. I've never heard anybody do that. Send the call sign using CW or phone emission, so that's uh, Morse code or, or voice. And I think that's going to be your answer. All right, let's go through the rest, though. C, send the call sign followed by the indicator R. I've never heard anybody do that. Although some repeaters will put an R after the call sign if they're doing a CWID. But I've never heard anybody talking and say... Or, oh, yeah, right. Uh, or, uh, send the call sign using only phone emission. No, that's not right, because I do know CW is uh, is valid. So the answer's got to be B, bravo. Yeah, well, we were a little... Uh, mix there in the chat room oh, between we the B's the and the D's, yeah. So let's see who's right, Tommy. I know what I think, and uh, yeah, I agree with you. If you're talking uh, voice, phone signal, you can ID with either CW or you can ID with voice. But there's another way that the rules or the question pool doesn't really take into consideration, isn't it? Yeah, for I think well, I think D Star. Uh, some of the digital modes, um, there's a data packet that's sent along with that that's got the ID in mm-hmm. there. So uh, that's that's uh, FCC recognizes that as being legal, but I'm not sure that's actually considered phone. And phone, it may be considered data. Uh, I'm not sure how what the, how the FCC looks at that. Yeah, but we do know that if you're talking on a say a D Star radio. Your ID is programmed in there, and when you transmit, it's sending a digital ID while you're talking. Every, so a lot of people time. won't do a voice ID right. on a D-Star radio. They rely on the radio. To yeah, and that is, that is accepted by the FCC. It's mm-hmm. it's perfectly legal, although I still tend to do it any, voice ID anyway. You know, I, I generally do, too, and a lot of people do, but you don't, don't have to. Yeah. Nowadays, you don't really know if anybody's... Uh, Got you linked in going out over the air with something else, too. So yeah. you're always legal if you do that. Yeah. What brief statement is often transmitted in place of CQ to indicate that you're listening on a repeater? A, the words, hello, test, followed by your call sign. <laughs> <laughs> uh, B, your call sign. C, the repeater call sign, followed by your call sign. Or D, the letters QSY, followed by your call sign. Now, you hear us laughing a little bit in there, yeah. but um, that's because some of these seem kind of silly to us, these, these particular answers. Yeah. And um, But if you don't know it, yeah, it's, 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 it's a good not, time. It's, it's, yeah. it's a good question. Yeah. Although the, the uh, A there seems kind of uh, yeah. funny, yeah. But I have heard that before, I think, probably, <laughs> or something similar to that. But, yeah, what brief statement is often transmitted in place of CQ, indicating that you're listening to a repeater? Well, it's not hello test. B, your call sign. Well, that's what I'm going to say, and that's what everybody in the chat room is saying. That doesn't necessarily mean if I come on a repeater, and I just say W5JDX. That doesn't necessarily mean anything except that uh, 
hey, I, I'm I'm listening to the repeater. I just talked on it. Mm-hmm. Doesn't necessarily mean I'm waiting for somebody to answer, although there's a good chance that maybe I was hoping to strike up a conversation. But it does mean that I'm listening. Uh, see the repeater call sign followed by your call sign. No. Um, you don't have to say the repeater's call sign. Nope. And D, the letters QSY followed by your call sign. QSY means uh, you're changing to another frequency. So. Pretty sure nobody's going to answer you if you say that. Yeah. And you're not going to. And if you're leaving, you're not going to be listening to that frequency that's anymore. That's why so. I'm not going to answer you if you yep. say that. So let's see. Is B your call sign? And uh, I think, you know, that's just about what everybody had there. Yeah. Man, you nailed room. that one. It's almost like you've done that before. I have ID'd before on a repeater yeah. before. <laughs> and I was listening after I did it. Did you? Not, you not while I was doing it, though. Did you say, did you say hello, test? I didn't. I said hello, test W five JDX QS one. Time for refreshment. Refreshment. For your enjoyment, there's hot, fresh popcorn, tempting, delicious hot dogs, and so many kinds of ice cream, and of course, sparkling, delicious, ice cold Coca Cola for everybody at the refreshment counter now. Remember. Your favorite snack will taste especially good with world-famous ice-cold Coca-Cola. Are you new to the ham world or an existing amateur operator who wants to take your license to the next level? Study for your radio license exam at hamstudy.org. Hamstudy.org is a free online learning tool powered by ICOM. It was created by Richard Bateman, KD7BBC, Michael Stuffelbeam, KV9G, and Rich Porter, KK6GKE, and it uses a modern web design to enhance the experience of studying for your technician, general, and amateur extra exams. Since 2013, hamstudy.org has helped new and existing hams to familiarize themselves with the question pools, use stats-based flashcards to focus on material they need to learn, and take practice exams to gauge progress. Visit hamstudy.org on your desktop computer or mobile device. Register for a free account at hamstudy.org to access personalized study history and other site features. Prepare for an exam in an intuitive and comprehensive manner. Check out hamstudy.org powered by ICOM for free learning tools. Good luck on your next exam. Let's get back to the remaining questions here. Which of the following entities recommends transmit, receive channels, and other parameters for auxiliary and repeater stations? A, the frequency spectrum manager. B, frequency coordinator. C, FCC regional field office. Or D, international telecommunications union. And this is mine, right? Mm Mm-hmm. So... I don't think it's going to be a frequency spectrum manager. I've never heard of that position and spectrum. That doesn't really even really seem to apply for a repeater channel. B, frequency coordinator. I think that's going to be the answer. Uh, C, FCC regional field office. I don't think the FCC regulates those frequencies. They kind of, I don't think they regulate those frequencies. Well, they don't assign them, no. Well, yeah, actually, yeah. Uh, or D, the International Telecommunications Union. That's, that's not going to be it either. I'm going with frequency coordinator, and that's my final answer. Well, looks like that's what everybody's saying over in the chat room, so maybe you're right. And yes, you are. Oh. Frequency coordinator. Uh, this is a side note, you know, and this is primarily uh, for repeaters we're talking about in auxiliary stations but if you're going to put up a repeater you need to find out who the frequency coordinator for your area is and work with them to assign a frequency for you to use a frequency pair Uh, if you can find a frequency pair on your own and you put a repeater on the air using them um, FCC is not going to come knocking on your door or anything Mm -hmm. like that 
But if somebody else goes to the uh, frequency coordinator and requests those same frequencies and gets them assigned, they'll get the frequency. Even though you may have been on it longer, yours was not coordinated, so it didn't. You know, you really don't have any uh, any claim to the frequency. Right. And the coordinator's just there to kind of help us. You yeah, know, make sure together. everything's all spaced out, and we're not going to have interference. Mm-hmm. Who selects a frequency coordinator? A, the FCC Office of Spectrum Management and Coordination Policy. B, the local chapter of the Office of National Council of Independent Frequency Coordinators. (laughs) C, amateur operators in a local or regional area whose stations are eligible to be auxiliary or repeater stations. Or D, the FCC Regional Field Office. Well, I'm glad you got this one. Yeah, I know the answer to it. I'm just trying to think of of how to help you identify it. Well, the FCC doesn't appoint frequency coordinators, so we can knock out D there. Um, the FCC Office of Spectrum Management and Coordination Policy, no. We've already said the FCC really doesn't get involved in that. Uh, B, the local chapter of the Office of National Council of Independent Frequency Coordinators. That would be... The local chapter of O-N-C-I-O-I-F-C. You know, anything <laughs> that long can't be right. It, it's C. Mm-hmm. Amateur operators in a local or regional areas whose stations are eligible to be auxiliary or repeater stations. And that's what everybody was saying over in the chat room there is C. So we all got it right. Way to go, chat room. And that's all the repeater questions. That's it. That's it. We got... Two more questions left here, but that should give you a good idea about repeaters. Now, we didn't show you how to program that radio to to, to put in an offset frequency or to put in a PL tone or a CTCSS tone because they're all a little bit different. But yeah. those are there are two things to keep in mind. If, you, if you're going to operate a repeater, find out the frequency that it's supposed to be on. Find out the offset so you know how to program your radio for a plus or a minus offset so that when you go to transmit, it transmits on the correct frequency. And what's the other thing that is possibly going to need to be programmed? Doesn't necessarily have to be, but might be required a, by a repeater. A CTCSS tone mm-hmm. or PL tone, if you want to call it mm-hmm. that, which I tend to call it that, but that's probably not the best. Yeah, and then a lot of people just call it a tone because mm-hmm. it's what's used most of the time. Right. Well, here's, we got, here's a good question for you before we move mm-hmm. on. How do I know what repeaters are in my area and oh. what I need to, how do I need to, how do I get that information to program my radio? That's a good question. Well, the first thing I would do is try to find another ham in your area, someone who can uh, you know, kind of help you get started, sort of Elmer. An Elmer. He should have a list of repeaters. Back when you and I got licensed, um, that was the only way we could get that information is by talking with other hams who knew the frequencies or by buying a book called a repeater directory that uh, I believe the ARRL has an edition of that. Mm -hmm. And then there might be one or two more out there that you could buy. There used to be, you know, a number of them. And you'd go to the ham fest and you'd buy a new repeater directory every few years because repeaters have changed. Mm -hmm. Well, now with the Internet... You'll find them online. There's a lot of sites online to where you can look up repeated yeah. frequencies and the offsets and the tones. There's apps apps for your phone. Uh, oh. A lot of them are coordinated with the location now so that can actually tell you the one that's physically closest to you. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of cool information now that we didn't have before. Yep, yeah, there sure is. And... Um, some of the information that's on the Internet might be a little out of date. Even in some of the repeater guides, mm-hmm. it could be a little out of date. Uh, so if you're not finding it there and, and you've gone through the offsets and you've gone through the PL tones, uh, you're going to need to just find somebody in the area and ask them. Maybe the repeater's no longer there on that frequency. Yeah, that's, or, uh, there are several in our area that are like that yeah. that are still listed in directories that aren't. Mm-hmm. on the air anymore or it could be they've changed the pl tone you know uh so yeah that's a good question 
So we've got a couple of electronic questions now just to kind of round off the evening here, Tommy. I'll, okay. I'll read this first one here. What electrical component is used to connect or disconnect electrical circuits? A, a magnetron. <laughs> B, a switch. C, a thermistor. Or D, all of these choices are correct. Well. So this is mine? This is yours. Well, I don't think D, all of these choices are correct by any means. And a thermistor. Do you know what that is? Uh, I think it's like a, you can measure the temperature. Measure temperature. So, right, yeah. yeah. So I don't think that's it's it. A, it's a resistor that changes value with temperature. Okay. And I don't know what a magnetron either is either. I think I saw that on the Transformers movie. Uh, Wasn't that, he the big guy <laughs> with the red? Isn't that what's in your microwave? Magnetron. Yeah, it could be in there too. I hope they get <laughs> <Yeah>. him out. <laughs> Before he melts. Huh? Um, the answer is going to be B, a switch. Yep. The Connect and disconnect an electric circuit is going to be a switch. What electrical component is used to protect other circuit components from current overloads? A, a fuse. B, a capacitor. C, an inductor. Or D, all of these choices are correct. Let's just say the answer is A. The simplest. We, we, the we already know that. So we'll just say A, a fuse. Okay, but let me just say, if if you really got a bad circuit, yeah, maybe a capacitor could end up protecting some of the other stuff in there when you <laughs> blow it up. Yeah. But um, no, it, it's a fuse. And that's basically just a, like a little thin piece of wire that if you draw too much current from it, it gets too hot and just burns in two. Mm-hmm. So uh, I think probably most of this crowd knows what a fuse is. Everyone in the chat room did anyway. Yeah, everyone in the chat room. But there's uh, some people may not. But, yeah. Uh, the answer, the answer is a fuse. Okay. Well, that's our uh, questions and answers for tonight. We appreciate you joining us. Before we go, let's mention uh, our social networks. You know there's places you can learn more about Amateur Logic and Ham College. We've got a Facebook group that's real active. It's, it's where is it? Facebook.com slash groups slash AmateurLogic.tv. And we've also got a Google Plus uh, community. Yeah. That's... That's pretty active. Yeah. Uh, and you can follow us on Twitter, and that is... At Amateur Logic. Okay. Uh, I think that's all of them, isn't it? Uh, that's yeah, it. that's pretty much it. Yep. We've got a Ham College group as well. We you do. Know, this is the we Ham do. College um, show, but honestly, it's not very active. It's uh, Most uh, of the people are on yeah, on yeah. both of them. But uh, we, we try to post over there some, but yeah. the majority of the activities over on the Amateur Logic groups. Yeah. And we also want to mention the wiki, where you can get the show notes on yeah. uh, episodes of Amateur Logic and Ham College. Yep, yeah. and uh, thanks to Dan and 9LVS yeah. for taking care of those for us. Yep. Yeah. That's at amateurlogic.tv slash wiki. And Amateur Logic swag. And we now have Ham College swag. We do. So I I copied, sort of did my best <laughs> to copy the nice sweatshirts Mike and his wife sent us mm-hmm. uh, for Christmas. So we've got Ham College uh, sweatshirts over there in the store now and some Ham College t-shirts. So you can go to amateurlogic.spreadshirt.com and check those out if you're interested cool. in any of those. Mm-hmm. We appreciate you all joining us tonight. We'll be back for another episode about this time next year in january but this time next month next month and we'll be back with another amateur logic in a couple of weeks yeah uh, yeah that'll be here before you know it mm-hmm. we've got to get busy on that one yeah we do it's going to be like um like a whole new season if that's when we start our seasons do they ever end not anymore it's just one big season well they used to end at the first of the summer for that six-month summer break. Yeah. You know, <laughs> and then yep. we'd come back. All right. Happy New Year, everybody. Happy New Year. Be safe, and we'll see you next time. Nice. 73. 73.
Why don't we give away this ICOM cap you got here and uh, a poorly folded ICOM t-shirt. Poorly folded? <laughs> Is that what I said? Uh-huh. Something like that. We didn't cover everything. As a matter of fact, we didn't even get that other camera set up over there that we might want. Well, before we go, let's just mention a couple of things. We've got some social networks out there where you can learn more about amateur logic. You, and might, you want to go back and mention those again? I'm not sticking my finger in my own eye. Well, you made it to stick it in? <laughs> no. My, for some reason, my eyes are burning.